Hello, listeners. Over the past several months, I've had a difficult time battling fatigue and depression while keeping up with obligations related to my job and the other podcasts I produce. The first 16 episodes of Bravely Distance were recorded in March, April, and May of 2020, so episodes 10 through 16 were recorded several months before posting. I'm going to make a sincere effort to catch up and continue working on Bravely Distance at least through early 2021. Thanks for listening. Here is the newest episode of Bravely Distance. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Bravely Distance. I'm Mike Solosi, and this is the podcast where I call my friends during these times of social distancing and ask how they're doing, what they're playing, what they're watching. Just, you know, me, slightly desperate for some social interaction, seeking out that social interaction in podcast form. And today I'm joined by none other than Rob Steinman. You wanted to talk to somebody, you wanted to reach out and, like, get some kind of human connection, and you called me. Yeah, I'm, well, okay, I'm calling a lot of people, Rob. I'm, okay, ca- I'm, cast- I'm casting a wide net, and you're a big enough fish so as not to fall through the holes of the net. That Okay, that I think that is well played. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rob, um, uh, we met uh, sort of unexpectedly at... A, uh, at, at MAGFest in 2014, Music and Gaming Festival, and I knew you because you were the host of a podcast I enjoyed very much, uh, Random Encounter on RPG Fan. Back in the day, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I ended up joining that website, that website staff uh, about a year later or, or several months later, and we became friends not just within the website. We've been on each other's podcasts. We've gone to theater shows together. We, I've, I've met your, your wife and your pets. Uh, that, that is true. Yes, yeah. you have. <laughs> so so the, uh, it's a little surprising that we started out as podcaster and podcast listener, and now I, you're genuinely someone who I love hanging out with. Um, oh, well, thank you. I feel the same way about you, sir. Yeah, and uh, dude, I think we probably, I probably would have taken a road trip up to Philly to hang out with you and Jackie if we weren't in the situation that we were in sometime in the spring or summer months. I, I, oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it, my wife loves to plan out theater shows, mm-hmm. and you, you also like theater shows, and so that's actually been like kind of, kind of a bonding experience for us. God, what did we, we saw? Uh, Cursed Child together. We I saw, think is what we, yeah, we saw Cursed yep. Child, um, yep. Avenue Q, and Burn This. Yep. So we've had a pretty good run. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Adam Driver is so steamy. Yeah. Oh my God. You know what? I wasn't. I wasn't a hundred percent sold on Adam Driver, but then when I saw him in Bird, this I'm like, damn, that Adam Driver. Nah. He, and, he's smoldering. Yeah, he really is. He like <laughs> like like that. That was a good show, but he was the he was the breakout. Like he stood out the the strongest definitely at in that show. And he's giant. Yeah. He's he, huge. Watching Star Wars, you don't realize this guy is at least six three just immense presence whatever like like that show turned me from an adam driver oh yeah he's all right to a 100 percent adam driver believer almost like john oliver but and, and then and then rise of skywalker happened but we don't we don't need to talk yeah, about that we don't we don't, we let, don't need to let's do that. please not talk about rise of it's the skywalker not his fault. it's Unle- not any of the actors faults <laughs> uh, un- unless rise of the skywalker is something that you've been watching or or doing in yeah. uh, okay during social distancing not okay i gotcha no, so i've not been hate watching rise of the skywalker <laughs> All right. Well, nor have I. But um, more important than Adam Driver, uh, shocking, I know, is uh, like, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing okay. Um, You know, for people who know me from the website, I think they they know that I'm a bit of an introvert. So uh, I'm actually 
I think doing a little bit better with this whole social distancing thing than a lot of people. Uh, my wife is, is struggling quite a bit. She's a very extroverted person, very social person. And I think this has been uh, pretty tough on her. I, I, uh, I, without any legitimate evidence, I 100% believe you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I'm still working. Uh, I work at a boarding school uh, right outside of Philadelphia, and we switched to virtual classes uh, right around spring break. We were on spring break when everything kind of went crazy. Like that week of, oh, yeah, the coronavirus is a thing, too. Oh, shit, we need to close everything down. Yeah, Uh, that's like second week of March going into fourth week of March is, I think, is, is when that gradient happened. Yeah, and it, it was like a ramp up from like a Monday to a Friday of like Monday, ah, oh, you know, things are, we gotta, gotta watch the news. And by Friday it was, okay, the school is completely shut down, virtual classes. Um, I had done some online teaching back when I was in graduate school. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. I, I, I'm a very high energy teacher. I really feed off the kids in my classroom. And so this is a much more passive experience. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of creation more than anything else, recording a lot of lecture videos. I teach physics. So uh, doing a lot of lecture videos, posting them online, posting assignments online, chasing the kids down, making sure they're doing the assignments on the line. Um, it, it's been a real challenge and I can tell it's really hard on me. It's, it's absolutely brutal on the kids right now. Um, yeah, geez. Yeah, it, it's it's been pretty rough. My best friend David and a couple other guests that we've had on the show are also teachers. Um, he teaches high school uh, history, and it, from all the comments I've heard, it feels like this is this might be a lost semester or maybe even a lost year for people in 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 most traditional education systems. Yeah, definitely. Um, I teach mostly seniors. It's an AP level course. Uh, and so we actually spend most of the spring term getting ready for the AP exam. So I didn't lose a whole lot of content, but I lost a lot of class time, a lot of direct instruction of the the, the kids, uh, teaching them what college is going to be like, teaching them how to you know fulfill assignments, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, the class of 2020 got screwed over pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's one of these things that there will always be an asterisk by the class of 2020. And I don't mean that in a, oh, they're not good or anything like that, but in a, they, their spring term is annihilated. Like uh, kids that were going to graduate, uh, I'm what's called a forum dean at my school for this class. So I was going to be organizing their graduation and their celebrations. Um, that's all not going to happen. And it it sucks. There's There's no two ways about it. That really, really sucks. But it just means that we have to try to create those bonds a little bit stronger, interact with the kids virtually as much as we can. And I told them, you know, their five-year reunion is going to be the most bitchin' party ever if I have anything <laughs> to say about it. Like, try to look on some kind of bright side here. But it is – it's really rough on the seniors right now. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I i can only imagine. I mean, I, again, I work in a government engineering office. I am – able to work from home mostly comfortably uh the workload's going to be light because my uh how busy my work is usually con- corresponds to how much uh construction activity and building activity there is since i approve uh sewer and water plans for a permit office of the of the county government basically is slightly more complicated than that but that's a lot of what i do so uh work is still happening but the workload is very light, and I can do eighty to ninety percent of my job from home. So I'm, I'm doing. I'm in a uh, three days at home, two days at the office schedule right now, rotating with with other people in in my section. So it's yeah. I, I have it about as easily as you can have it. But the still the social isolation is 
is messing with everyone's routine, but it is giving us more time at home, uh, usually more free time to do things like play games and and watch things on streaming services. And uh, so, Robert, can you tell me one thing that you've been uh, playing or watching or doing recently um, during the during the shutdown? Oh God, uh, we we went absolutely ballistic on Netflix and HBO <laughs> Go. Like we've just been uh, streaming fiends right now. Uh, I can. We had just finished uh, Castlevania season three. Oh, awesome! When everything kind of went down. Uh, yeah, really good. Um, I, I think Castlevania, the animated series, has been a lot of fun. It kind of still has the same problem where a lot of those middle episodes kind of are a very, very slow ramp up to something very special in the last few episodes. Yeah, but... the, yeah, they're all like journeying somewhere or, or or heading towards a destination that you can kind of see, but it, they don't really get there. I'm, I'm still amazed that of all the games to draw a lot of lore from, they went for Curse of Darkness on the PS2. I know, right? How weird is that? <laughs> How weird is it that I care about Hector and Isaac? Right? That, that's like, extremely really? strange. And also, the the crazy thing is, uh, in, in Isaac's storyline, I mean, he was he's a uh, getting manipulated by the vampire sisters in especially the series breakout star uh sorry. Yeah, Lenore. <laughs> yeah the, the raven poem lady um yes yeah so like like breakout star Lenore is manipulating Isaac and the and uh that vampire castle is preparing for war but they don't realize there's a whole army of fiends led by Hector I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry led by Isaac heading to where they have Hector captive I'm mixing up my Hectors and my Isaacs and, and I like I thought that the whole show was just going to be like a road trip of uh, Trevor and Sypha, like killing monsters, and we, and we get that for like one half of one episode, maybe. Yeah. A- and then some real kick-ass vampire fights in like the second to last episode of season three. But really, this is a, a series about like brooding darkness and vampire politics, and 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 dragging Dracula out of hell. It's gone places I haven't really expected. Oh, God. Did you get a shiver when they just ended that episode and it was like, yeah, we opened up a portal to hell and there's Dracula. We probably shouldn't do this. Like mm-hmm. I, I like let out an open guffaw. Just like, oh F, this is gonna get uh this is gonna get real. I, I do think that the show has some pacing issues, but overall it has been very enjoyable. It's gorgeous to look at. It's got that old school nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties, you know, uh anime OAV like Ninja Scroll, Vampire Hunter D. Like, yeah, like, it reminded it reminded me of a Vampire Hunter D with better dialogue. Yeah, it's like you bought this at a Suncoast video where, like, the anime was being sold right next to the porn, so you kind of know it's pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's really enjoyable. Uh, so we did that. Uh, I highly recommend all my friends uh, Kingdom, which is uh, South Korean Walking Dead. Oh, that hmm. There's two seasons of that on Netflix. They're both pretty short. That show is phenomenal. Is it live, Very... is it live action or animated? Yeah, live action. Um, it takes place in kind of... Um, feudal south korean times uh it it is really really good they're basically fighting 28 days later zombies so the fast zombies beautifully shot really well cast uh that that's been a lot of fun uh kingdom i I, I think high i think there has been a slight surge of korean dramas available on streaming services like yes yes someone at netflix got a memo that people are really enjoying korean television right now because i i know one of my friends who I don't think is uh, really seeks out many subtitled things. Uh, watched uh, Itaewon Class and uh, and Black, which are both Korean dramas with supernatural elements, like back to back. 
uh, the past couple of weeks, and it, like she and uh, both of them were based on Korean web comics first. So so it's like, it's like and I, I think that may, maybe it's BTS, maybe it's uh, Parasite, but like I think Netflix realized, hmm, may, maybe the Korean dramas are an untapped resource for streaming. So they just they've unloaded a lot onto Netflix the past several months. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's that's been a lot of fun. Uh, and then most recently, we started on HBO Go uh, Watchmen. Oh, I've heard that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's hard to recommend because it is uh, for those who don't know, it is a sequel to the original graphic novel. Um, so it's taking place in the same universe thirty years later. So it's present day, but it is as if the novel that was written in the nineteen eighties that timeline has continued. I don't see how you could watch it without reading the graphic novel. Like, you, you, would, you don't think the Zack Snyder movie is enough of a substitute? Uh, I think – well, that's a very long conversation we, yeah. could, we could have where I didn't love that movie when I watched it. And now the more we know about Zack Snyder's aesthetic and understanding of comic books, I think it's actually – I think that movie is actually far worse now than it was before. Um, he seems to think Rorschach is a hero, which means uh, apparently he just did not read Watchmen. Um, it, well, the thing is, I think he um, he really wanted to celebrate moments of Watchmen. Yes, and and uh, yeah. and Zack Snyder knows how to like set a set oh, a absolutely. photo, but yes. he but uh, he but he struggles with um, I don't know yeah with, with, with theme and uh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm defending Zack Snyder. I actually kind of liked the Watchmen adaptation because I thought that was a challenging movie to to adapt and he basically picked key points of the story that he absolutely had to hit and and when he really went for them he sort of nailed them. But oh, yeah. but yeah. yeah but but he has issues with theme and communication and uh have become increasingly apparent whenever he uh uh with every subsequent movie like and the less that we speak about uh Sucker Punch the better. See, Jackie likes my wife. Jackie really likes Sucker Punch. I hate, oh man, I hated that I, movie I, so much. I I, so, I, I kind of liked Movie Watchmen. Really hated Sucker Punch, but I'm intrigued by the new Watchmen because I because I because I, I, I did read the graphic novel before uh, watching the movie, and of, and of course it's a classic. But I I really actually like the change to uh, theatrical Watchmen where the, the the big reveal at the end oh, is yeah. a Dr. Mm-hmm. Man. I think that actually works really well in that version of the story because it makes 100% sense. Yeah, the, yeah that, that exactly right. Yeah, the, um, yeah. the uh, Adapting the constructed alien into a indeterminate attack and blaming it on uh, Dr. Manhattan makes – a lot of sense. I mean, it does. I, I, I didn't I, mind that at all. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is that the TV sequel to Watchmen goes with the squid ending from the graphic novel, and it actually makes it work. So something that seemed very random, hmm. they've actually done a great job of adapting that and what that would mean 30 years later for people. Uh, it, it's been incredible. We, we have the last three episodes, and the plan is for us to actually watch that tonight. Um, it, it's been really, really good. Uh, very well constructed, very well shot. Uh, some good callbacks to the original series while also not retconning, but making things more fun. 
Like it, and I mean more fun in a dark, bleak sense. Like they have not lost the fact that I, I think that this is where Zack Snyder kind of failed on Watchmen. Is that Watchmen asked the question, "What would?" And this is from uh, Movie Bob Chipman, so I'm totally stealing his line here. <laughs> but um, well, I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, no, I mean, okay, you're you uh, you're an educated man, and you I, have I, to I you have to cite, you have to cite your sources exactly. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. and and it's not my original thought. And uh, Movie Bob said, you know, the original Watchmen graphic novel asked the question, "What would it?" the world be like if superheroes were real and the answer is it would effing suck like that like it would end up with all of us being in deep deep trouble and i don't think Zack snyder really got that in his theatrical adaptation of watchmen but because there's so much of the original story in there it's not the focus so like he was able to he was able to kind of scoot by because, like, there is so much of the original Watchmen text in there that even though he toned down Rorschach, who is a racist, bigot, misogynist, like, a horrible human being in the graphic novel, he's still an anti-hero in the movie, which makes it work, but he is not nearly as repugnant as he is in uh, in the graphic novel funny story ted cruz also says he likes rorschach so you know oh, hmm. just, just throwing that out there a little bit yeah i, I wonder if uh <laughs> i wonder if he's like the uh you know the, the fans of the joker movie and watched oh, t- watched taxi oh. watched taxi driver decades ago and thought that uh robert de niro's character was a hero and not a uh, and not a monster yeah yeah, but, we could have a very long conversation about joker that uh oh boy <laughs> but Ooh, it's, did you did you watch it um I was going to watch it, and I, do you remember uh, five minutes ago? I know it feels like five years ago. Five minutes ago, we talked about how there was like a week where it seemed to be it, the tone of the entire country seemed to go from, well, this might be something to we need to shut shut ourselves in our homes now. Uh, yeah, it um, was a record skip moment. <laughs> yeah, um, I went to the movies with some friends on that Tuesday night because the uh, university theater near me uh, has two dollar Tuesdays, and then all of their movies are several months late, and we. Okay. We went in there intending to watch Joker, but all of us had so many weird misgivings about it that we switched to Knives Out at the at a last minute change. That was a good choice. Uh, Knives Out was a good film. Yeah, you that know, I, I I enjoyed going to the movies with my friends and watching Knives Out, so I think we did make a good choice. But uh, I remember like seeing having like going out to dinner and movie with with four friends one night and then two nights later it's like oh oh we, we absolutely can't have a uh a saint patrick's day party like we can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like we talked about doing <laughs> yeah we can't do that anymore uh knives out knives out was good i think it's a little a little overblown people saying that it's like the reinvention of the mystery and no, it's a 10 no. out of 10 i'm like no 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 it's no, like look, look, it's a very good movie i had a really good time with it but let's let's calm down a little bit this this is not you know uh, like, in in the down. in the movie, they referenced the movie Clue, and they even showed a brief uh, a brief part yes, of the a, a brief part of the opening uh, um, the opening song of Murder She Wrote, and those are two things I love. But really, what they are is like this is a, these are people who love detective fiction and love things like the omnipotent I'm sorry the omniscient detective and the flair of the twist and the uh, and, and the big reveal at the end, and they just wanted to they wanted to really just have 
a lot of fun with those parts of detective fiction, and, and I and think it was great for that. And and it was fun. Like I'm not saying it is a it is a brilliant, intricate mystery. It is not, but it is a it is a fun mystery by people who were trying to make a fun mystery. And it, and, it, and it and it had a pretty all star cast. Like I mean, oh it, yeah, it, but I wanted more of them. Like it, <laughs> you got true. Jamie Lee Curtis there, yeah, her doing a lot more. And my boy Michael Shannon, who is I think one of the better actors in Hollywood right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, he was so good in uh, The Shape of Water, and I, I'm gonna go out and say it. I think he's the best version of Zod we ever got in uh, Man <laughs> of Steel. Like. That that mm. dude was really good in that movie. Man of, oh man, Man of Steel is a, a movie that I think is worse than Watchmen, but maybe equally uh, in uh, equally inept about tone. But let's not, let's not talk about uh, Man of Steel. We, we um, won't do that. Or 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 Knives Out. Let's back it. Or Joker. Let's back it up all the way back to Watchmen. Uh, the one thing I've heard about the movie, I'm sorry, about the HBO series, which I have not seen, is that Regina King is absolutely awesome in it. She is amazing. Okay. This is my first exposure to Regina King. I've never se- I never watched The Leftovers. I've never seen any of her work. She commands so much screen presence. You, didn't, you, you never saw The Boondocks? No. No. I, really? I've watched a little bit of Boondocks, but not a whole lot. Um, no, she, she is so damn good in this. Uh, it, it just the casting in the show has been stunning. It's heartbreaking in places. Um, it, it's if you, I remember when those first trailers came out for Watchmen uh, on HBO, and we all really didn't know what to make of it because at first it was being reported that it was going to be a straight adaptation of Watchmen. Mm. And and then it became very clear, like, no, this is a sequel to Watchmen, and that's when I my ears kind of perked up at that, and I. All right, I, I want to see what you what you guys do here, and I honestly can't think of a better sequel. Like you, you say sequel to Watchmen, and there's going to be a lot of eye rolling. You know, Alan Moore is somewhere shaking his fist, and it's like, no, they really Alan Moore. Alan Moore is buried. Special. Alan Moore is so deeply buried in whatever cave he's living in. He's not. He probably is not aware this show exists. Who disturbs my slumber? It's like when I show up on the RPG Slack, uh, RPG fan Slack channel every once in a while. Just like... I, I, I am so amused that two of my favorite comic book writers of all time, Alan Moore and Grant Morrison, are an Englishman and a Scotsman who were so groundbreaking in the 80s and 90s and absolutely despise each other. I, I, I am so just amu- <laughs> I'm so amused by that entire situation. Um, well, I think I think after Watchmen, the plan is for us to finish up. We, we got halfway through season two of Westworld last year. Oh, OK. And I, I, we both really loved Westworld season one, and season two starts out with a very contrived reason for why they're telling the story out of order again, and that <laughs> that was like the that's the big reveal of Westworld season one is that the whole story is out of order. I don't want to go into more spoilers than that. Sure. Uh, and season two is like, well, we're doing that trick again, and 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 I'm just kind of watching it like, did did you need to do that trick again? Like you you already. You know, it's like M. Night Shyamalan making another movie where, you know, the main character's dead. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's that's like, okay, well, you've done that before. Like, I'd, so, but the season three is getting, uh, seems like that's starting to ramp up and people are pretty happy with that. So I think that's next on the docket for us okay. in terms of streaming. Yeah, well, I'm, I, don't, I don't have access to 
HBO. I think I could if I just asked my parents for an HBO Go password. Or you ask be... your friend Rob, yeah. and I just give you my I, access. Yeah, I, I don't have immediate access, I, I, but I probably could. And uh, Watchmen is something I would be interested in. Um, I only know Regina King. Uh, she's had a long career, but uh, she was really good on The Leftovers. And I remember when I started watching The Leftovers, and she was a main character in uh, uh, season two and three, I think. I heard her voice. I'm like, oh, it's 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 Huey Freeman from the Boondocks. That's interesting. And then she ended up being really good. And then I heard a lot of praise for her role on Watchmen, uh, mostly from listening to podcasts about entertainment <laughs> and people yep, talking yep. about Watchmen, which is the only reason I knew that it was a sequel and, and not a straight up adaptation. Whereas from you know uh, sideways uh, experiences like entertainment podcasts. But uh, okay, now I mean, we both used to work for a video game website called RPG Fan. Is there a video game that's commanded a lot of your time during uh, recent social isol- isolation? Uh, well, I'm I'm reliving my best uh, middle school years right now by playing uh, two remakes of games from the late '90s. Oh, okay, uh, we're about the same. We're about the same age, so I think I know exactly which two games you're talking about. Yeah, so uh, I started the Resident Evil Three remake as soon as that came out. Um. I, uh, man, it's it's hard to talk about this. I didn't like Resident Evil 3 the first time. I found that game very frustrating. Um, it's very random. I know a lot of people hold Nemesis, that, that giant creature that stalks you through the streets of Raccoon City. A lot of people hold him in high regard. I find him to be an absolute pain in the ass yeah, and not it, fun yeah it felt like that they were trying to recreate mr x from resident evil 2 but just just to, but just to make it more recognizable and more uh and and more overwhelming like 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 they're just trying to outdo themselves with what they did in 2 yeah and like it it wasn't fun in the original game because you you're playing like that old school tank controls like very stiff like the action in resident evil and those original playstation one games was not really the focus it was on the atmosphere it was on the survival horror the resource management um before i talk about the remake i have to say that like the resident evil 2 remake last year was one of my favorite games of the past decade like i absolutely adored that game that game got under my skin i played it like six times the whole way through like i absolutely loved it um that having been said i love the original resident evil 2 so i love the remake of 2 i don't like resident evil 3 i don't really care for the remake of resident evil 3 uh it is much more action and set piece moments and that the the worst part about the past two Resident Evil games, seven and the Resident Evil two remake, were the boss battles. Uh, they they really can't seem to make these boss battles be interesting and fun. Like they're just been kind of resource spongy and kind of annoying and obnoxious. Uh, this is a game where that's the highlight. Is like they they seem to think, oh boy, you really want some more boss battles, don't you? And I'm sitting there going, no. No, please stop. Please, no. Oh God, I'm in another boss battle. <laughs> and um, and and this game. I know this game isn't very long. Like, uh, so no. so is there like a boss battle every thirty minutes? Uh, there there was a point where I had a boss battle, and then thirty minutes later I had another one. So it it was very. Th- this is where the pacing of the game is really weird. Like the beginning of the game, I was really down for it. You you have your initial run in with Nemesis. It's a very set piece, you know. Uh, run away from the dude, and then they put you on the streets of Raccoon City, and it plays very similarly to the Resident Evil 2 remake. You're you're skulking through buildings, you're taking out zombies as strategically as you can, you're you're hoarding resources, and I was like, oh man, I'm really getting into this. And then Nemesis came bursting through a wall, and he punched me as soon as he came out of the animation, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And so 
that's kind of been the problem with the game is like when it settles down and remembers that it's a Resident Evil game, it's been very fun. Uh, your question about boss battles. At one point, I finished a boss battle with Jill, and then you take over as Carlos, who is your, your second playable character. You get him for small sins. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. They've written him beautifully. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't in the original PS1 version? He was, and he kind of sucked. He, like, oh, he, was, okay. he was basically a Latin American stereotype, like, oh, hi, Jill, and he kind of like, wow, that does not play well today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I, I haven't played the original Resident Evil 3, so I, I, uh, and I, I didn't recognize Carlos from my limited knowledge of the Resident Evil cast. Yeah, uh, he's only been in one game, and but the new voice actor is great. They've given him some fun lines. He has cool interactions with Jill. You get a section where he plays him, and that was awesome. And then as soon as I got back in control of Jill, the game threw me in another boss battle. And this was a boss battle that, like, I had to do the same thing eight times to beat the boss. And you know how, like, video games have the rule of three? Like, oh, you throw the, the turtle on top of Koopa three times, and, you know, oh, you, you beat him why are you having me do it eight times? Like at mm. one point, Jackie was looking over my shoulder in our office and she's like, do you seriously have to do that again? I'm like, yeah, I have to effing do it again. Like, of course I do. Like, Some, sometimes they'll double the rule of three. Like they'll divide the boss into two phases and you have to hit each phase three times. But yeah, it, but, but, but it, yeah, but if the, con- <sighs> if the conditions of, of scoring a hit are roughly the same and you have to do eight in a row, then I can, I can see like, feeling like you're staring into an abyss a little bit eight is a lot it's um and they they gave you a dodge mechanic in this game and it's basically a suggestion like i'm sure there's a timing window on it that i could figure out i i can beat sekiro without even getting hit so like i i can figure out a timing window if i need to but this thing just feels like a suggestion and you get hit and you're like oh man i dodged what is going on here Hmm. so i i don't know i'm i'm actually really down on it and i think Capcom, you know, on, on the one hand, I think they made a game that is kind of reminiscent of the original Resident Evil 3 and good on them, but I think they also need to sit down and take a deep breath as there's reports about Resident Evil 8 coming out next year, and apparently they're going to remake 4. Like, there's all these all these rumors bubbling to the surface right now, and I'm like, I think Capcom need to really sit down and go, we had something really special with Resident Evil 7 and the Resident Evil 2 remake. Let's keep going in that direction. Let's not do this action-heavy nonsense. Like my, my official prediction is that they're going to start to remake 4, but then change direction and accidentally remake Devil May Cry. That would actually be neat. Uh, <laughs> that would actually be neat. Did you play Devil May Cry 5? I remember I Oh, I did. Yeah, I, um, I, I really I really enjoyed... didn't like it. <laughs> I, I, really, I really did like it. it, it felt... I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it felt like a celebration of, um, of the camp of Devil May Cry. And they and they sort of went back to the Dante versus Virgil storyline from uh, from three, but from a perspective of an outsider like four. Like they wanted to try and bring the good, most beloved parts of Devil May Cry together, and I think they mostly succeeded. It was uh, I like that the game gives you so many options and so many different play styles, but but if you if you just did not connect with the action or just rolled your eyes at the at the big uh, showpiece moments, I understand. It's 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 a campy, silly game. I think what it showed for me is that it, it, Devil May Cry Five very much felt like a sequel, direct sequel to Devil May Cry Three and Four, and I, I mean that as a positive and a negative. Like it played very well. Um, 
but there were two issues for me that I think gaming has come a really long way since those games. I mean, Devil May Cry 4 was what, 2006? Uh, it was, it was 2007? I think it was 2007 or 2008, yeah. It was, yeah, it was, so, it was early-ish uh, PS Wii 60. So over a decade ago, and I'm one of those weird people that really likes DMC, Devil May Cry, the uh, Ninja Theory one. Mm-hmm. I actually that one, that one's good. I I I think I that's, really like that game. I think it's, I think it might be the second best one after three. But but but, but I I I hold DMC three in very in very high regard. So uh, it, it's not surprising I would rank three ahead of that. But um but I, I thought it was very good. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. so I think that in those ten years. What you've really had are, are two big advances in video games in, in my book, and I promise I'm going to loop this back to the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake. Uh, level design has become like – level design is like the number one way to win me over in a game. If you make me feel like I'm occupying a space and you make me feel like I am in a, a world, I'm going to play the hell out of your game. Uh, it's one of the reasons I love the From Software games. It's why I love the Resident Evil 2 remake. Like that police station is iconic. And when I'm in that space, I feel like I'm there. Devil May Cry Five was very much corridor after corridor. It, it, after it was corridor. it was corridors until you got to an open area of city ruins. Right. And, and, and it, I, uh, I, mm-hmm. I that I found pretty boring. I mean, it's standard for the Devil May Cry games, but that was a little lackluster. And then the other part of the game that I really like finally had the route with it was. I'm tired of fighting enemies who ignore what I'm doing to them. So, like, I'm hitting them with a sword the size of a boat anchor, like, with, like, supercharged-up powerful attacks, and this enemy is just rearing up to hit me, and they can knock me out of my combat animation, but most of the time, I can't knock them out of theirs. Capcom is simultaneously the best and worst with this. And yes. with, with the uh, with the uh, with you know the the Uber example of it, I'm sorry, the Uber example of it being Monster Hunter, because yes. Uh, yes. because like attacking Monster Hunter monsters, um, and and like filling whatever hidden stun meter is required to make them flinch is frustrating when you're hacking them a hundred times and they and they still go through their entire animation, but satisfying when you hit them at the right time with the right thing in the right spot to act, to, to make them flinch. But Devil May Cry, they go a little bit too far in one direction. They they that hidden stun meter that it, that is that is required to fill up before uh, making a, a Devil May Cry enemy stunned is too much. And, and and really, it's it's not about reacting to enemies so much as never stopping to att- like never stop attacking, never stop moving in a way that is lacks the nuance of a Monster Hunter or a Soulsborne kind of combat. Yeah, and and I mean, I I don't think every game has to be a From Software game. That's not the argument I'm making. But it just, I think that's why I bounced off Devil May Cry 5. It's the reason why I felt so attached to the Resident Evil 2 remake was because I'm in a room and I'm like, okay, I've got Mr. X chasing me. I know he's above me. I've got three zombies in front of me. As soon as I shoot them, he's going to hear me and start chasing me. But I know I can take them out. And the game is rewarding me for planning and strategy. Mm -hmm. The Resident Evil 3 remake, because it's so action-focused... I don't feel like it's rewarding me for strategy. I feel like what it's what it's asking me to do is, here's a ton of ammo, fight this boss. Oh, and if you run out of ammo, we're going to spawn some over here because we know you need a lot of ammo to fight this boss. So it just doesn't it, it doesn't feel as put together and it's not rewarding me in the same way that the Resident Evil 2 remake was. But at the same time, you know, former editor on on our um, 
on our website, Stephen Meyerink, he really enjoyed the Resident Evil 3 remake. Uh, you know, he had his criticisms of it, so I'm not going to put words in his mouth and say he thought it was perfect, but he very much enjoyed it because it was so different from Resident Evil 2 remake. So, I mean, you know, I, if, it, it, it is what ahead. it is. Yeah. Opinions are going to differ. I'm not, I am not, I, I hope that people who, who used to listen to me on the podcast, I do think I grew a lot on that podcast and doing that. <laughs> No, doing that job of working on an RPG fan, I think I did grow a lot as a person. And I think one of the things that I came away with was it's okay to have different tastes. And, like, I can sit here and go, I don't think Devil May Cry 5 is a bad game. I just, you know, kind of bounced off it, whereas Bayonetta 2, and I hate Bayonetta 1, I adore Bayonetta 2. Like, that game is phenomenal, in my opinion, and you know, that's I, a little bit more what I'm looking for. I have Bayonetta 1 and 2, but have oh, barely, so but, but I, I, I've barely touched either of them. I, maybe maybe that'll be something I can go forward with in, uh, one, without, with a little bit over time. One is very much Kamiya's baby, uh, Hideki Kamiya, where he made the game way too hard, and the timing windows to get the witch time, like you dodge through an enemy attack, and you, you activate like a Max Payne-style slowdown effect. Those timing windows are so entire like they're way too tight in the original bayonetta so as you're learning the game you're getting like absolutely demolished and you don't really have time to practice bayonetta 2 they widen those windows and so it's it's an easier game but it just makes it so much more fun so like i, hmm, I mean and it I has mikamiya mean, also made devil may cry 1 and yes he did and so and I'm, beautiful joke yeah, and uh, and Okami, and a, bu- a bunch of stuff. He's a uh, wait, wait. No, am I thinking? Am I am I confusing with someone else? Oh no, uh, Kamiya directed Okami, and yeah, that okay, game yeah. is that game yeah. is a wonderful twenty-hour game that is sixty hours. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. Then he moved. Then he moved from Capcom Clover Studio to uh, yeah. to, to, uh, Platinum. to Platinum and other stuff. So yeah I'm, yeah, I'm I'm not confusing him with another Japanese developer, which which I, happens sometimes. <laughs> I think you'd really like Bayonetta two, and I think if if you played Bayonetta two, I think you'd understand why I bounced off Devil May Cry 5 a little bit. Like, Bayonetta hmm. 2 has what I want, which I, is the... I have them on feels Sw- like I'm fighting the enemy. I have them on Switch, and Bayonetta 1 digital download came uh, with Bayonetta 2 for free, which is which is yep. why I have it. Uh, so yeah, that's something for me to at least think about, but like, I mean, back to Resident Evil 3 versus 2, I mean, if I were to put an unnecessary analogy uh, here, it's like Resident Evil 2 feels like just a really well designed haunted house at a yes. at an at an amusement park and where it's 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 nuanced and has great pacing and and balances like the intense parts with the creepy quiet parts very well while Resident Evil 3 at the same amusement park is a kind of mediocre roller coaster that's yeah. that, that that's that's more intense and it's trying to be more of a thrill ride than a than a than a horror experience but doesn't quite hit the highs of the awesome haunted house and is maybe doesn't last as long either I think that's 100% fair, and mm-hmm. I, it, it is not turning me off to the series. I'm not sitting here rolling my eyes at Resident Evil 8. Like, yeah. this, is mm-hmm. a fran- this is a franchise that I very much love, but I, I find it interesting that where the series started to lose me with Resident Evil 3, it's kind of happening again <laughs> almost 20 years – over 20 years later. Like, that, that's kind of interesting to me. That like, And I love Resident Evil 4. That's one of my favorite games of all time. Good luck remaking that. Like that, I would not want to be the crew that is going to remake one of the most beloved and influential games in the past twenty years. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think it'll be a matter of time and budget. Like, if if Capcom gives a good team enough time, a Resident Evil Four remake could be uh, 
immense. But if they if they let people down even a little bit, then it's gonna then uh, the reactions are gonna be bad. So, but are you, uh, are you saying that this could be a remake that was uh, hinted at for almost a decade and then took five years <laughs> from uh, from oh, initial boy. release at E3 to to finally coming uh, from initial tease at E3 to finally coming out? You did say that there was two games from your PS1 yep. middle school days that you were playing. I'm sorry, remakes of two games. So could I hazard a guess at the other one? I think it's pretty obvious. It is uh, Katamari Damashi. No, uh, it is uh, the Resident Evil 7 remake. I and the rest of the internet uh, replaying uh, Final Fantasy 7. Did I say Resident Evil 7? Did I say that? I um, you, you, might have, you might have twisted it around a little <laughs> bit, but I, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll forgive you, especially now that we're acknowledging it right now. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm playing the Final Fantasy 7 remake. Um, I'm about 10, 11 hours into it. Uh, I have played Res. Uh, I almost did it again. <laughs> I have played Final Fantasy 7 maybe like half a dozen times over the course of my life. Uh, I-, I love Final Fantasy 7. I am not uh, ignorant of its flaws or its problems. Uh, I do not think it is the single greatest achievement in all mankind, but it is also one of the most important games that I played in my youth because I was 13 when it came out. So spiky hair, buster swords, anime, uh, all of that stuff was just amazing. Um, the Final Fantasy VII remake is very interesting. I think it is hitting some some very big highs. Uh, I am very interested to see how it ends. Uh, I I kind of I don't want to say any more than that, but there there's enough going on that has me like raising an eyebrow at what I'm watching, and I mean that in a positive sense. I don't think I like playing it that much. I I've kind of right. I, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm very frustrated with the battle system. I've heard big things about the battle system too. That uh, in particular, some uh, boss fights don't really, <coughs> excuse me, don't really communicate what the player is supposed to do, and uh, and and especially with like what elementals they should be equipping or using or not using. I've I've, yeah. I've I've heard that about the Hell House fight in particular, but there's probably others. Um, so I haven't got I haven't gotten to the Hell House yet, but um, uh, what I'm struggling with is, and and I will be the first one to admit, I'm not usually a fan of um, party based action RPGs. I find them to be very messy, and I just I don't really like them. Uh, this game is kind of in a weird middle ground between like a kingdom hearts game and a final fantasy game so you you attack enemies and you build up your atb bar so that you can use uh more powerful spells and abilities and like your normal attacks really don't do anything against enemies they're just used for building up the bar yeah your normal attacks will deal uh single digits a lot of the time but then but then when a uh when you get when you build up your bar and use a special move or a spell it'll be in the hundreds of in numbers in the hundreds like you expect and yes. uh, um so like just only attacking which is sometimes my strategy in final fantasy games or or mostly attacking is not really the thing here it, it's it's about movement and building up stun and stagger which is you know there's i think stagger is different from from crumple or whatever like it, it's it's almost as uh, incomprehensible as as getting stun states right in xenoblade or xenoblade 2 I haven't played the game yet because mine's coming in the mail tomorrow. So, uh, like, uh, 24 hours after we're after we're recording this is when I'm going to finally get to play it. But I, I did play the demo, and I, I beat the Scorpion boss without getting a game over, but I did struggle a little bit, more than I thought I would. 
because it's just I don't understand defense yet in the game, and uh, and, no, and and no, I, the game doesn't communicate that at all. Yeah, like, th- there's dodging and guarding, and I think that it's when you're when you're playing a game for the first time, and if and if the combat is a little complicated or a little sophisticated, it's always easier to just figure out attacking a lot over when it's appropriate to defend. Offense comes before defense when you're learning a system a lot of the time. Yes. So yes. so I, I think that I, I I probably could go through the game on normal active like I was intending to, but I I would I'll need to learn how to dodge and guard like a non-idiot, which is which I'm not there yet just from playing the demo. Do, do you think that uh it'll just take more time for you to get used to the battle system or do you think that there's a potential wall to hit that will that might come because because again i i haven't played the main game yet and you're about 12 hours in yeah so it's it's really weird where i'm finding myself very frustrated with the combat system but i've only ever had one game over and it was a very odd moment where i was only controlling cloud and i was getting hit by missiles off screen and like i actually got stun locked to death like i lost half my health i got hit with like four missiles in a row and i ended up stun locked which is like if that happens to me in a video game there there's a very high probability that i'm never going to play your video game again like mm-hmm. i i can't stand that um so it's not like i'm dying over and over again what i what i think is happening here is the fights are are breaking down into one of two categories either the normal encounters and i think you probably experienced this in the demo are so easy that they're mindless. Like, you don't even have to do much. You just swing your giant buster sword and the enemies just die. Maybe you throw one fire spell to make them die slightly faster. So that you have very, very mindless, normal combat encounters. Then you have these combat encounters that are much more puzzle-based, where you have to actively take part in this combat system and hit the enemy with fire spells so you can stagger them and do massive damage to them. The problem is that the normal combat encounters are not teaching you how to play the game, so then you run into a hard combat encounter, and and this is where it starts getting really messed up. There have been fights that I have cleared on my first time where other people have really struggled just because I had the right materia equipped. I had, you know, the fire spell equipped on... um, on Cloud's sword, and so he was doing elemental damage, and I was able to beat the enemy real fast. Then there are other fights that other people are having an easy time with where I am incredibly unprepared. Like, oh, everybody is supposed to have lightning right now, and only Cloud has lightning. Great. And those moments, it's not like the fight becomes insurmountable, it's that it becomes tedious. Like, okay, I have no fast way of killing these enemies, so what I'm going to have to do is just keep wailing on them with normal attacks, doing special attacks on them, and then when I get close to death, and the game is very bad at giving you feedback on how much damage you've taken, you need to stare at that HP meter in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen to understand how close you are to death. Like, there's no indication that you're close to death. Oh god, Aerith has, like, two hit points left. I wouldn't know that unless I was looking at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, Um, when I was playing it, I thought the game visually looked great, and it was really good how much of the screen they gave you. The camera wasn't perfect, but... but no, when the camera's you, really but, bad. But, but they, get, they give you a, a clear vision of the, of, of the screen. The, the UI doesn't take over the stre- screen like it, can, like it can with other RPGs. But as a result, I mean, you have um, enemy data at the top, your uh, command menu at the lower left, and your HP MP at the lower right. 
and it's really easy to miss one of those things uh, when, when you really should be paying attention to all of them. It's, yep, yep. Y- there, there's some decoding that you have to do to figure out all of the visual information there, and it's sometimes uh, it's sometimes complicated by the camera getting in the way or things getting real busy on screen. And, and yep. again, I, I think uh, I've seen such highs and lows reactions from the community on this. Like I, I saw a, a one writer whose work I enjoy say that the fighting system is broken, and if you want to enjoy the game, you should play it on classic easy. Um, and another, and other people say this is this game is a ten out of ten and the and the best uh, Final Fantasy game in twenty years. Like I, I don't know exactly who to believe. I, I think it's in the middle, and <laughs> I don't. I, the the uh, I, I told you in the pre-show that I, I was going to make a big analogy here. I actually think the game is very similar to Yakuza in a lot of ways, where huh. the Yakuza games do not teach you the nuances of the combat system in the regular fights. Like, Kiryu just steamrolls hundreds of nameless mook enemies on the streets of Kamurocho, and then you fight a boss where if you dare to hit them three times in a row, they just elbow drop you and take half your health. And, like, I've talked before about how, like, I love the Yakuza games. I am never going to defend their boss battles. Like, their boss battles are either horrible or tolerable like not great tolerable i think this game has a lot of the same problems where like you at one point uh steven again was telling me well use tifa for this boss fight and i said to him steven i don't even know how to use tifa because all the previous fights i've only been using cloud because there was no reason for me to switch over to tifa so i don't know how to play as her because the game never taught me how to play as her. Now, we could have a very long philosophical academic debate about video games and teaching you mechanics. My favorite game of last year, Sekiro, I think that game does a horrible job of teaching you how to play it, but it is one of my favorite games of last year. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to defend the fact that that game is just calculus until you figure out how to play it. And I, I, I think that there's room for games like that, but I find it very weird that the Final Fantasy VII Remake, a game that is is playing in so much nostalgia, has this combat system that is not doing a good job of teaching me what to do. And like it seems like their solution is, well, Rob, you were supposed to have more fire spells equipped. So what it actually gives you the option to do is restart any combat encounter and go to the menu and swap out materia. So it's like the game has a built-in, like, well, you, you went into battle unprepared, so we're going to let you, you know, deal with it. I, I think that's kind of an admission that your game's kind of messed up. I, I wonder if they're, like, almost hearkening back to 1997, where, yeah. where, where RPGs did not communicate intent or communicate, uh, like, like, all of the tinkering options available to you the way, the way that uh, a typical game will nowadays. No, and but this game, like... I applaud it because there is a lot of strategy. Like, it it does feel really good when you, like, oh, man, this enemy's weak to fire. Okay, Aerith, get, build up your fires. Okay, hit him with fire. All right, now Cloud, hit him with fire. Like, that feels really, really good. But if you're not prepared for it, like, 
or I'm sorry, the ice spell in the game is just garbage because it takes forever to cast and get off. So like you're trying to hit enemies with this very slow moving ice spell that just feels like crap when they dodge it over and over again. Like that, that like that's oh weird. And, and it's, like, it's not functionally the same as a lightning or fire spell. No, like hmm. the lightning spell comes out immediately. The fire spell is a pretty fast projectile. The ice spell is like a, it's like a mine that gets placed on the ground and then detonates. Oh, that's weird. And, and so like I was fighting these so so this is what happened this afternoon was I was swearing at the TV because I'm fighting very very fast moving enemies who are weak to ice and I can't hit them with the ice spell but I managed to get through the fight because I just start downing potions like it's shots at somebody's 21st birthday party mm-hmm. to get through it and then I I messaged Steven and I'm like well this was really frustrating and he said well why didn't you use an ice elemental attack on your sword and I said, okay, but that means that then I had to know that that's what I was walking into. So, yeah. like, you you can't have it both ways. You can't have this... I feel very strongly that you can't have this combat system that is so reliant on, like, Shin Megami Tensei-style weaknesses, but not give me all the tools. Like, nobody goes into a Persona game with two uh, heavy thunder users, right? Or, or, like whole- or, uh, or having, you know... Uh, two heavy thunder users and no ice users. Right, like we we mm-hmm. all do the same. Like that's the reason why the main character in the Persona games gets the ability to shift their personas yeah. because they're the X factor. You always you, you always, always, have, you always like, want diversity and coverage for those kind of games. Right, and and so, but the materia system is so stringent in how many spells I can have equipped, and some of the materia is really cool. So if you want to do like advanced tactics, well, that's going to come at the risk of not carrying around enough ice spells. So, like, there's this really weird push and pull with the game right now where I'm like, I think you guys recognize that your combat system is a little fiddly, and that's why you've made the resistance to death so low. But it also means that now I'm getting no satisfaction out of the combat. Like, I, mean, I am not, do you think, I'm not getting any satisfaction out do, of it. Do you think that it would solve the problem if you made sure to keep your materia as spread around as possible and just switch to the appropriate character when the time comes? Or is, 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 there, is there still a trap you can fall into? I still think there's a trap you can fall into because there's uh, you, you have your four basic elements, uh, fire, ice, lightning, and wind. So if you have lightning on class, and, and uh, so I, I'm glad you brought this up because this is also the other problem with the game. The game is such a slavish remake of Final Fantasy VII in terms of party structure that in 12 hours, I've only had a full party of three for maybe an hour and a half. Oh, weird. So I'm right now with Aerith. Like, right after you find her in the Sector 5 slums, I promise I'm not going to go into any spoilers, but I'm talking about the general idea of Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've either been alone, or I've had Barrett in my party, or Tifa in my party, a very brief period of time where I had all three, and now it's just Cloud and Aerith. So I actually don't, I can't even have that much diversity because I don't have that many materia slots. So it's it's like... For the vast majority of this game, I've either been alone or with a single other party member, which is really weird, right? Yeah, that like is, it, that is a little bit strange. It's because you, um, hmm, I'm trying to. It remember. makes sense. It makes sense because that's the way Final Fantasy VII is structured. You don't actually have a full party outside of the uh, Sector Five reactor until you get Tifa and Aerith in Don Cornero's mansion. 
So, like, it actually makes total sense if you're remaking Final Fantasy VII, but it also means that in 12 hours, I've only seen the full combat suite for, like, an hour and a half. That's a little weird. Yeah. All right, it's... so we're, we're still figuring out Final Fantasy, uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm, I'm really eager to finally play it, hopefully tomorrow. And you have misgivings about it, but I mean, it's still beautiful and cool, right? Like, I, I, I'm still enjoying it. Like, I think that, again, my my deep seated deep seated is a strong word. I think that my my issues with the combat system are stemming from the fact that they are trying something new, which is to be applauded. I think that it is when the game. I'll say something very nice. I think when the game does mook enemies that you're obviously supposed to build up your special attacks with and then the hard enemy in the middle of that combat it actually kind of plays into a little bit of that doom 2016 feeling i think that part of the game feels really good like okay here are the normal shinra soldiers i'm gonna wail on them because they're easily stunned so i can build up for a nice fire attack on the elite soldiers that part of the combat feels really, really good. But when you're only fighting the elite soldiers and they get to just ignore your attacks and just wiggle their little baton and Cloud goes up in the air and comes down like Mickey in the movie Snatch, like he just got bare-knuckle uppercutted like through a ceiling. And it's like, oh, I've completely lost control of this character and I took 300 damage. What does that even mean? Like, it, it's just weird. It, it's a very weird combat system that I... And then it does one-on-one encounters pretty well. Like, the couple one-on-one encounters that almost play like action game duels hmm. have actually been kind of neat. So, like, it, it, it's a, it's, it is a very, very bizarre game, and I would love... Remember that this game was originally being made by CyberConnect2, and then they were unceremoniously taken off of this game, and it was made a full in-house Final Fantasy production. I think you can kind of see those seams in places where, like, there's just sections of this game, dude, that look shockingly bad. Like, textures just looking like playstation one era like what in the world yeah i've like, heard i've heard the texture dif- differences between the sector seven slums and wall market are shockingly different yeah it, it's a very again i don't want to come across negative i'm i'm enjoying it i think i'm having fun with it i really look forward to your thoughts on it because i think that you're you're always a little bit more tempered in your responses and i mean that in a positive way <laughs> and i and i don't mean to sound like ultra negative on it I think, like, when I read the reviews for this game and people were like, it's the greatest Final Fantasy ever made, or people being like, ah, it's kind of crappy, I'm kind of in the middle, where I'm like, I think this is a, a good game, but I, I see a lot of problems. I think that this is a a combat system, much like the original Kingdom Hearts, that they can iterate on and make a lot better, but, like, it's really hard to play original Kingdom Hearts right now. I think that the first episode of the Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be really hard to go back to once they've figured some things out. Interesting. And, yeah, I, I mean, this is a game that I have to form an opinion of myself. Um, uh, our, uh, our mutual friends at RPG Fan uh, gave it a 90, but declined to give it a, an editor's choice. The, the, the gist of the review was it's beautiful, the soundtrack is incredible, uh, but, and they make a lot of bold choices, but, the, but they don't always land perfectly. And w- which, I, again, I thought was a pretty measured response. People were surprised that... Uh, I say people. I mean, the RPG fan Discord was surprised we didn't give it editor's choice, but 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 still a pretty high number, which which feels appropriate to me. But 
again, I think this is going to be somewhere in between GameSpot's 10 out of 10 and my Twitter friend who says the uh, fighting, the combat is broken. But I, I need to, I, I need, I need to make an opinion myself uh, for myself. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to say that the combat is broken, but I do think that, I, I think it is very telling that they make it so easy for you to restart any combat encounter because they, they seem to outright understand that you can't be specced for every combat encounter, so they're making it easy for you to do it again. And, yeah, and, 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 is... so, and some encounters will either require or rely on advanced knowledge, and that's the, right. kind, of, that's the kind of thing you would get with trial and error and, and not actually logicking out an encounter. And, and you know me, dude. I, whenever I've recommended a Yakuza game to you, I've always said, you're going to have to grit your teeth and get through some bad boss battles. Like, you're just going to be sitting there sucking down health potions and really not having fun, and you just... You kind of just have to get through it. That's kind of how I feel about Final Fantasy VII right now. And and I I enjoy the Yakuza games, and I'm enjoying this. But it's that same, like, I'm having to grit my teeth and deal with, all right, this is really not fun, and I just need to, I just need to get through this. Like, let's just get through this bad part, and let's, let's get on to the story. Let's get on to the atmosphere. Uh, also, the side quests are really bad. Oh like, really? Re- like really bad. Like we're talking, go out and kill five rats. Oh, like hmm. like like really? Like that that's that that's like first ten levels of an MMO bad. Yeah, and so I I I think that there's a little bit of hyperbole on this game on both sides right now. Um, I'm definitely liking it better than Final Fantasy 15, which I thought was just uh, I, I really did not like that game at all but it's also not as good as dragon quest 11 and if you want we could sit here and talk about dragon quest 11 for a whole hour i i think that would be an entire second episode of the podcast because i because i i i played 110 hours of dragon quest 11 and got the platinum trophy on ps4 and i i i have looked at i have looked at the switch version on the nintendo eShop and on amazon pages and similar not at a GameStop because i'm not leaving my house to go shop for video games but i i've thought long and hard about that one um it's um that switch version is amazing it's so good i will replay it eventually but uh not soon but uh, astoundingly there was something I wanted to ask you when you appeared oh, on the when you appeared on the podcast. I, I always try to uh, surprise my guests with one question near the end of the episode, and astoundingly, the sub the subject I wanted to ask you about has come up twice already. Okay. I think I want to play my first Yakuza game soon. Like, cool. Like, like like after I finish FF seven. Yes. Um, and so I want you to give Zero. me. Zero. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for anticipating the question, but uh, for the uninitiated, <laughs> can you give me a recommendation on which one to start with? And let's say if I play a couple in a row, which ones should I play and which ones should I skip? But don't, don't, okay. need, don't need to give me an overcomplicated an- answer, just sort of a, a general broad outline for my, okay. for my first Yakuza experience or experiences. Okay. And, then, and then I have a question for you, so don't end the podcast before I can ask you a question. Of course, um, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Zero is probably the most well-rounded of the Yakuza games. It's not my favorite. I think that that's still going to be Kiwami 2. Uh, but Zero is a complete experience. It is also a prequel, so you can jump into that game without having to have any previous knowledge of Kiryu and Majima. Uh, it is a huge game if you want it to be. Like, it will be a 60-hour experience if you want it to be. You can probably barrel through a lot faster if you just follow the story beats, but I think you're going to want to play it and have fun with it. Uh, I think Zero is a very, very strong starting point. Um, 
I can't recommend Kawami 1. Uh, I think it is very noble that they remade the original Yakuza in the Yakuza 0 engine. But Kawami 1 had some of the most frustrating fights I've ever experienced. And they, they thought they were being cute by putting the Majima Anywhere system in the game where he would just spring up and you would fight him and it becomes very tedious very fast. So uh, I would say skip over Kawami 1, but you're going to have to watch videos to understand Kawami 2 because Kawami 2 is a direct sequel. Yakuza 2 was a direct sequel to Yakuza 1. You need to know what happened in Yakuza 1 to understand what's happening in Yakuza 2. Uh, I actually have the remastered collection. on it, That should be coming in from Amazon at some point, whenever this whole thing settles down. It was cheap the other day, uh, which has 3, 4, and 5 remastered for PlayStation 4. I have never played those games before. So I am very much looking forward to playing those, and I'm probably going to space them out the way I did with the Dragon Quest games. Yeah, we had uh, a um, one of the guys at RPG Fan is playing all of them for the first time, plus Judgment, which is set in the Yakuza world, but with but as, a, as a different kind of game. Uh, so he's played something like I'm not exaggerating. If you include Judgment, like uh, seven Yakuza team games in the past six or seven months. He's gone really hard on them, and he's moving, going through the uh, the the re-releases of three, four, five for PS4. I think I think five, I think five and zero are the ones he liked the best. Yeah, five has a ton of characters. And I know it, that. Is that the one where one of the characters is a little girl that has idle dancing mini games? I uh, that sounds right. Okay, yes. yeah. So I, I think I think Jono really liked zero and five. So I've been listening to his opinions on the Yakuza games through RPG fan channels. And I know that you, that you've had a lot of fun going through, uh, a lot of the series. So I wanted, I wanted to hear your, uh, overview and or skip list. And it sounds like zero, then maybe watch videos of Kiwami one, then play Kiwami two is the best. Yes. Move. I, I think that's, that's a good bet right now. Um, judgment is kind of hard because I really like the cast of characters in judgment, but, uh, I don't, I think that game was paced very, very poorly. Uh, it, it has a lot of Ace Attorney-style stuff at the beginning of the game, and then it just goes away for the entire rest of the game. So, like, it, I, I, I think that the Yakuza games very desperately need an editor, and I think you'll experience that when you play it. If Dragon Quest is, like, one of the most well-paced 100-hour RPGs I've ever played, <laughs> where, like, you're constantly just getting more and more... Like, like no, look, Dragon Quest Eleven is, is ridiculously long, but it doesn't feel like it. I think the Yakuza games can feel very long in the tooth because of the way that they kind of repeat plot points over and over again. I think that that series needs an editor. I think the games could <laughs> actually stand to be shorter. I, well, I don't. I don't think the the newest one's going to follow your shorter advice because because it, no, it's, it, it's going to seven is apparently huge. <laughs> yeah, it's apparently enormous, and apparently it's a, a Dragon Quest inspired turn based RPG, which is I'm fascinating to this. me. But uh, but I, one reason I was interested in Judgment is because uh, <clears throat> the, the main character is uh, patterned after an actor named Takuya Kimura, who was who's sometimes called the Japanese Justin Timberlake and sometimes called the Japanese Brad Pitt for different reasons. Uh, he was a, he was the a singer in a popular boy band in the '90s, and then he trans then he switched from being a singer to an actor and is one of the most successful Japanese TV actors. And one of his shows that's still, like, a, I think in the top ten most viewed Japanese TV shows ever is about a defense attorney who doesn't play by the rules. 
And yeah. So they so they took this actor and have gave him a video game likeness for the first time in his whole career and have him play a role similar to his role on Hero, that uh, that Japanese uh, detective drama that he was the star of. So me enjoying that that early two thousands uh, J drama and being Yakuza curious and um, having a couple access to a couple Yakuza games already has me maybe more interested in Judgment than I normally would be. Like like I think that. Yeah, judgment rates higher in terms of hype for me beyond Kiwami Two, so I'm 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 gonna look into that one eventually. But I think Yakuza Zero is gonna happen for me in the very near future. It's gonna be my, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be my PS4 game I play after I finish uh, the Seven remake. Yeah, and and I think um, I really want them to make a Judgment Two. I'm I'm gonna be shocked if they don't. I just think that Judgment needs to set itself apart from the Yakuza games a little bit more by doing more of the investigation stuff, which I think is, it's very rote in Judgment and kind of boring. I think it's something that they could really expand and make really, really good. That game might have, because I'm calling it a Yakuza game, screw it, it's a Yakuza game. Um, I think that might have the best story, the best single story. So it it I it's a very easy recommendation, but I do think that the middle of that game drags really hard. All right. Well, that isn't. A, I'm I'm thinking way far ahead if I'm already planning a judgment playthrough when there's at least two Yakuza games that I'm gonna I'm gonna try first before getting there. Zero will keep you busy. Kwame Two is a little shorter. But you did say you had something you wanted to ask me I before before we shut question. it down. So on my pile of shame remains one of RPG fans' highest-reviewed games uh, and, and something absolutely beloved, uh, oh. Persona 5. Ah. I, I played really hard for about 10 hours, and I, I had burned myself out on Persona because I had beaten 3 the month before 5 came out, which was a stupid move on my part. Like, mm-hmm. So now Royal is out, Persona 5 Royal. Do you think it's worth it for me to go out and get Persona 5 Royal, or do you think I should just stick with Persona 5? I have not played Royal. Um, I yeah. have I have uh, been overwhelmed by the number of quality remakes coming out over the uh, in the near future and the recent past. Uh, just off the top of my head, Dragon Quest XI, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Persona 5 Royal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Trials of Mana uh, 2020, which um, is coming out uh, soon and the Xenoblade Definitive Edition. That's only going from October of last year to, to, to May of this year. And those are all games that I have some interest in. So, again, we are drowning in quality remakes right now. But I think in Persona 5, um, I, I thought it was a very, very good RPG. It's, it took me about 100 hours to beat. I, pl- I played through it... Uh, well, I, I beat it in like three weeks, just completely mainlining it when it came out in 2017. And then I slowly replayed it over a few months afterwards to clean up and get platinum trophy stuff for like a, a, a playthrough that was close to 100%. And I think that the changes made in Royal are almost all good. Uh, they, they give you some more activities to do in town. They flesh out the, the Phantom Thieves hideout a little bit. Uh, there's um, Morgana tells you to go to sleep and, and makes you sort of wade through story segments without without freedom uh, fewer times in the okay. in the re- in the remake. They introduce a few new characters that you do interact with throughout the main story, but they don't really join your party and become a, an important part of the main story until the 
uh, new chapter slash epilogue chapter. So, so this new girl that, that's, that joins the team and has been teased as like a new major character, you, you go to class with her and meet her throughout the game, but she doesn't join until the, the new content. Which, which was surprising to me. I thought she would have. I thought her stuff would have been earlier. I'm, I'm not sure um, how much price is a factor, but if you've only gone uh, ten hours in, then I, I think moving to Royal is justified because there is there it it, uh, it mitigates the the worst parts of the original game and adds some new stuff that people seem to like. I haven't played it myself. The word out there is that it's meaningfully better than the original version. It, it's like Persona Four Golden. I think what I'm struggling with is, um, and, and I really like the Persona games, so this this isn't me attacking them. Uh, Persona Three gets off to a really really strong start. Like that that game hits the ground running, and you you're dealing with people stuck in coffins, and you're dungeon running. And I think Tartarus makes for a very strong introduction, maybe maybe kind of boring by the middle point of the game because you're doing the same dungeons over and over again. But I think Three makes a really really strong opening. Four's opening is like painfully slow, like excruciatingly slow. And I feel like Persona Five was like, "Hold my beer, I'm gonna try to be even slower." Yeah, five five starts slower than four, and I think that f- I-, I like the main core nine or ten cast members and four a little better than five. But then, but uh, but I-, I think that five it would be the best JRPG ever if I liked the story and characters a little more because it is so stylish in its delivery. Oh yeah, and and and, and it, its menus and its and its and its uh, side options. It's just an A plus in so many categories. But I think that the um, the dungeons go a little too long and a little too slow. And I don't love the the uh, the characters and story as much as other games in the same series. So I think it's like a it is a really really good nine out of ten that is that I don't adore as much as. Um, as other people on the website, like, like Persona Five is great. I think it's worth playing if you know what you're getting into. Like, like you have to know going in that this is going to be a hundred hour RPG, and I think it is worth playing. But um, the Royal version might be the right move now because it does um, add a lot of good stuff and mitigate some of the weaker stuff. Okay, I kind of want to finish Final Fantasy VII remake and then probably play Yakuza Three because that's supposed to be one of the shorter games. And then I'm I'm kind of going to decide. I don't know if more Persona is what I'm really looking for. Yeah, jeez, I've, I've, I've heard mixed things about the finale, like the the added part of Persona Five. And I said this about the Yakuza games. I think that Persona Five needed an editor. Because there were just moments where I was hearing the same story beats over and over again, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Gotta do this. Can I please go do it now? And I think that's actually why, like, Dragon Quest XI, even though I played a 100-hour RPG twice, (laughs) it really doesn't feel like that. And and I I know that that's nuts, and I'm the first person to say that Dragon Quest VII is, is, like, painfully slow. But, like, Dragon Quest XI just does such a good job of moving you from one story beat to another and making that time really fly by. 
I, I got really impatient playing Persona 5 the first time. And maybe I just it's... wasn't in the right mindset. Maybe I pick it up now and I, I absolutely adore it. But I was just getting really, really antsy playing it. And also, it should just be on Switch. There, I said <laughs> it should just be on Switch. Hey, like, no, but well, we're getting the Dynasty Warriors of Persona 5 on, as a Switch exclusive. Does that count? I don't... No, I, I I chose to block out what you just said. Uh, and, and the no, thing I, is, I, I think mindset is important for Persona Five. To you have yeah. to go in there with the right mindset. But also, if you if you're going to be bothered by a game that drags in the middle, um, Persona Five has seven main dungeons and then sort of a an eighth finale extravaganza. It's like hundred floors, isn't it? It's not like hundred floors. It's like it's like it's like it's like um, two medium sized dungeons back to back with a lot of story stuff in them. And then there's also new content, presumably after that. Like around the dungeon five, six, seven range, the tedium really sets in. Like I think I think dungeon seven is actually really good. It's also like hours and hours for just a dungeon. Having flashbacks to Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse, I'm just like, oh god. I'm not <laughs> saying it. I'm not saying as bad as that as that horror story of a map. But this, but <laughs> but but Persona Five definitely drags in parts. Um. The best parts of Persona 5 are, like, dungeons 2 through 4, or maybe, uh, eventually you'll sort of run out of air and be like, oh god, I, 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 how, how much farther is this going? <laughs> and it's, uh, it, it's, not, it's not the easiest sell. But I did like it a lot. It, I think it's really good. At least consider the royal version. But I, I, if, if you're worried about burnout and an RPG that drags, then I would maybe hold off. Yeah, and, and and again, it's not. Uh, I, I'm not attacking the game. You know, I'm I'm in no way sitting here saying that it's it's bad or anything like that. It just when I was playing that game, I just really felt the tedium. I really felt like I was I was spinning my wheels a lot. And as we get older, you know, we we've we've been in the video, like playing video games for so long and consuming video game media for so long that like, I think we remember when we started hearing those, those people on those first podcasts talking about how they were getting older and they just didn't have time for this crap anymore. Like we're both in our mid thirties. We're, we're starting to feel that now where I'm just Mm -hmm. like, you know, the idea of a big daunting 60, 70 hour RPG it, it it is a lot, and so there's something to be said for pacing, and there's something to be said for that individual time. Like, I should be happy as hell that the Resident Evil Three remake is so short, but I'm not enjoying it. Whereas, you know, the idea of a six or seven hour strong survival horror campaign, I find very appealing. I don't need it to be twenty hours. I really don't. I know that uh, Trials of Mana is coming out soon, and the, the original version of that is a fifteen to twenty hour game. So I'm 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 looking forward to playing that remake when it comes out, and also with the advanced knowledge that it's not going to be a 100-hour extravaganza like a Dragon Quest XI or a Xenoblade or a Persona 5. Um, and I've heard that the 5 remake is in the 30-to-35-hour 30 30 range if you do a lot of side quests, which, yeah, uh, I, which, I, is, which is appealing to me. I think that based on my knowledge of Final Fantasy VII, I'd say I'm maybe at a... I'm getting close to the halfway point, and... You know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it being 30, 40 hours, and uh, I adore the Midgar section of the original game. So I'm totally down with that. I I think that when you play it, I think you and I should just pour ourselves, you know, do the social distancing (laughs) thing, pour ourselves a a glass of scotch and just talk about it. Because I think it is fascinating. I just also don't think it's amazing. 
we, we can pour ourselves some scotches, talk about FF7, and uh, what was the movie you were, uh, or show you were you wanted to horror watch? Uh, Kingdom. Kingdom. Okay. Uh, South Korean Walking Dead. All right. So w- there will be South Korean horror and 2020 remakes and probably copious amounts of alcohol the next time that we interact. But I think um I think our interaction for today is done at least. I understand. Uh, th- thank you so much, Rob, for uh, appearing on my weird podcast experiment and uh, and talking about topics that no one's gone over. I'm I'm uh, this is one of the few episodes with no Final Fantasy 14 or Animal Crossing. Um, which is which is which is not not bad, but um, but still, I'm glad that it's not every episode. Listeners, uh, thanks for listening to us for um, for an hour plus on uh, on what Rob and I have been playing over the past uh, few weeks. And it's but it's important to you know maintain safe social distancing, uh, engage in in fun activities for your free time, but also don't neglect calling your friends. And no, and social distancing does not mean no social contact. So please take care of yourselves. Stay at home if you can, but call your friends. Absolutely. Goodbye.